playoffs? You're talking playoffs? You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking playoffs. I have tried to hold off as long as I could from talking about the playoffs um, just because I think it's not a, a great, healthy thing to do. But now we're in a position where it just doesn't make sense to not talk about the playoffs. So if we're going to talk about the playoffs, let's talk about the playoffs. And as much as I hate the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, I think they're a joke. I don't think they're contenders. They've got a pretty rough schedule coming up in front of them. Looks like this week you've got Baltimore playing. Oh, I just lost my schedule. Look at that. Baltimore is at Jacksonville. Then they've got the 49ers. They're at San Francisco. So, so we got at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, at home versus the Dolphins, and at home versus the Steelers to end out the season. That's probably, you would think, a two-and-two situation, depending on, you know, what the Steelers are looking at at the end of the season. They've got to, they're going to lose one of the two games. <clears throat> they're they're going to lose on Christmas Day, Christmas night. Oh, that'll be an interesting game. Christmas evening at 8.15 on ABC, Monday Night Football, I believe. Christmas is on a Monday this year. The Ravens will be at the 49ers. Okay, so anyway, we're a Browns podcast. Let's go back to the Browns, right? So this came about by saying that it looks like the Ravens are going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Um, it's going to be hard for some team to upseat them, but the Dolphins could do it, particularly if they can beat Baltimore. Um, again, I just lost Baltimore's schedule. If they can beat Baltimore, I believe it's week 16, um, going in there, they might be able to talk Baltimore off the number one seed. And I guess it just pays to have an offense that nobody knows what else is going on. You know, they hyped up this air raid. They dropped the air raid after two weeks, and they're just back to running the football. And since nobody else runs the offense, nobody really has time to prepare for it except for the teams in the AFC North. And even then, sometimes you can't really stop it. So I'm not a big fan of Baltimore. I hate Baltimore. I'm just not going to lie. But <clears throat> the Dolphins have a chance to knock them off the number one seed. Not sure because Kansas City's eight and five, Jacksonville's eight and five, Cleveland's eight and five. I'm not thinking anybody's going to have a chance to knock Baltimore off that except for the Dolphins. So, with that being the case, and that means Baltimore is going to win the division probably that the Browns, the best they can do is the fifth seed, which is currently where they're sitting as the fifth seed. Now, as long as they win, let's say, their home games, they would be projected to be 10-7 and seven and would still be the fifth seed. If they lose all their home games and win their road games, they'd still be 10-7, and seven, but then they would be going at Miami if they win all their road games. Either way, you project this. Now, by the way, you can go into ESPN, NFL, playoffs, machine. Go into their playoff machine, and you can run every kind of scenario you want. You can pick this team beats this team, this team beats that team. 
and just see how it all plays out. They also have tiebreakers. Um, you know, Cleveland wins a tiebreaker over Pittsburgh based on winning percentage in common games. You can get into the tiebreakers and how that all works out. But at any rate, you should go on ESPN. You should check out the playoff machine. The Browns, right? The Browns right now currently have an 86% chance of making the playoffs. If they beat the Bears, that goes up to 94%. If they beat the Texans, that goes up to 99%. If they lose to the Jets, that stays at 90 98%. If they lose to the Bengals, they still have a 97% chance. So the Browns, it's pretty simple. If they want to make the playoffs, making the playoffs is extremely simple. Just win. Just go be the Al Davis of NFL teams and just win, baby. If you can go out and beat the Bears, now the Bears are a kind of a better team right now. They're kind of a resurgent team. But if you can beat the Bears, right, like I said, that puts you at, start this back over, the Bears puts you at a 93% chance. If you can beat the Bears, <laughs> okay, you got a 93% chance of, of making the playoffs. So if the if the Browns can turn around and then beat the Texans, you're pretty much in, right? 10 wins and you're in is where they're at. So they go two and two. There's a pretty good chance they're making the playoffs. Two and two is a 99% chance, right? And I don't even think it really matters which two that you lose to and which two that you beat. If you just go two and two, you're going to be good. If you go one and three, that's not so good. That's about a 25% chance. Now, Here's the interesting one. If the Browns can go 4-0 and the Ravens can go 2-2, two two, they might actually have the tiebreaker over the Ravens. That may be how this works out for them. I can't really... I'm trying to get on the ESPN situation here and make this work where they just go 2-2. Two and two. Like I said, this is actually kind of fun. You should probably get on the ES, get on ESPN here and and figure it out and see if you can make it work for yourself. But I've said the Ravens go two and two. Where's the Ravens? So you got to put this in here. They go two and two. And at the same time, you got the Browns going four and zero. Oh. I mean, they could be the second seed. And Baltimore could jump down to the fifth seed, or they could be the top seed. Depends on how Miami comes out with that situation with them. So the Browns have an outside chance of getting the number one seed in the AFC, period, and winning the AFC North. But to make that happen, they have to win out. And I'm not really sure how they're going to win out when they're looking at chock full of injuries, which are still coming down the pipe, right? Let's, let's transition over to injuries. So we're now seeing that Jedrick Wills will be on season-ending IR. So that's Conklin, Wills. Now we're hearing Dewan Jones is going on the IR for a knee injury. Uh, offensive tackles are just dropping like flies. So now they're permanently dealing with the situation they got right now, which hasn't been bad for them. 
It hasn't been the best, but it hasn't been bad. So the Browns may be in a perfectly okay spot when it comes to um, offensive tackles because they haven't been playing terrible, but they are a a bit limited in terms of things they can do play calling wise when you don't have offensive tackles. The Browns don't have Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, right? DTR has been out. I think he's, I think he's been cleared, but he's been out. PJ Walker has been out. Uh, PJ Walker, by the way, has just been re-signed to the practice squad. So now, Flacco and Walker are on the practice squads. Don't read into that. No need to to get too far messed up into that situation. On the defensive side of the ball, you just have Maurice Hurst going on to season-ending IR, which isn't the best. We saw Ogba Okoronkwo, uh, Ogbo, Ogbanaya Okoronkwo. He was injured, and the Browns elevated Sam Kamara to the active roster. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, they bring up another defensive end. So I don't know what they're planning on doing, if they're planning on just playing uh, Siaki. Um, Siaki Ika, that's it. If they're planning on playing Siaki Ika defensive tackle, that might be fun to watch. Might be interesting to see how that goes down. I mean, it could be a complete disaster. It could be interesting. He hasn't played all season that I could really tell. And, um, Maybe he has. Not going to look it up right now. But maybe he'll get some serious, significant action with uh, with Maurice Hurst out. Obviously, we'd rather have Maurice Hurst uh, playing because he's been playing well. Uh, Jordan Elliott's been playing well. That's been a pretty good combination up there. Would like to have seen that continue, but unfortunately, that's just not going to be what it is for the Browns the rest of the season. So the good news on all that injury update is just that, well, there's not really good news. The, the fact that the good news is the Browns are still in the playoff hunt. And if they just win football games, they're in. They get 10 wins. They're pretty much in. 10 and you're in. That should be the mantra moving forward. 10 and you're in. 10 and you're in. 10 and you're in. So if you can beat the Bears, then you got to win one of the next three against the Texans, the Bengals, excuse me, and the Jets. Uh, speaking of the Jets, it looks like Aaron Rodgers might be uh, cleared to play from his injury. Why he would play, I do not know. I mean, the Jets aren't even anywhere near the playoffs, given this ESPN playoff calculator. I don't even think they can win four games and make the playoffs right now. I don't even think that's possible. So I, I don't know what the, the Jets got going on, man. I have no idea what they're going on, but I, I don't see why Aaron Rodgers would play if they if they don't realistically have a shot. I mean, 10 wins is going to get you in the playoffs. That's what every team should be thinking right now is 10 wins. 10 wins. All right, everybody, we come back. We're going to be done talking playoffs and injuries, and let's talk quarterbacks because, you know, nothing, not enough gets said about quarterbacks on Twitter. We need to, we need to really think about quarterbacks. So on the, on the other side, we will talk about quarterbacks. Hang on. All right, everybody, we're back. We're going to talk about quarterbacks for a second. A couple of things I wanted to address just because I see stupid stuff on Twitter, and I, I try to just not get too upset about Twitter. And I think 
Last week, I let myself get upset about Twitter, but let's just correct a few things. One, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Okay, just go back, get on your NFL Plus, go back and watch Deshaun Watson play against the Houston, or excuse me, the Tennessee Titans. Watch Deshaun Watson. There's another game before he went out. Just absolutely lights out tremendous. Okay, go back and watch those games. That man is your quarterback, period. Period. End of discussion. So the idea that we think we can grab Joe Flacco off the couch and he's going to be better than Deshaun Watson, just, just that's a pipe dream. Just let it go, okay? Joe Flacco's a decent quarterback. He's good for what he's doing right now when you have a team that plays defense, tries to play conservative offensively, but doesn't necessarily get the chance because teams load up on it. It's a different NFL you can't just sit and run the ball all the time like you used to with the Ravens. Um, even the Ravens don't sit there and just line up and run the football like they used to. I mean, they know that's not a sustainable winning situation. Just wait for Lamar Jackson to get hurt. It'll it'll happen. But Joe Flacco is better than Desha- or excuse me, Deshaun Watson is better than Joe Flacco. Don't think that Joe Flacco is the long-term answer. Joe Flacco is Mr. Right now. He's not Mr. Right. He's Mr. Right Now. Okay. Next year, DTR will be Mr. Right Now. Okay. But right now, it's Joe Flacco. And the Browns are lucky to have Joe Flacco. He's coming in. He looks like he's a leader. It's clear the defense believes in him and believes that he can lead them to victory. And that's really all you need right now. You need a belief that you can do it. And if the Browns believe that Deshaun Washington, I'm getting them all mixed up today. That if Joe Flacco can lead them to the playoffs, then that's what's important. That's what's important right there. Okay? If the defense believes in Flacco, if the offense believes in Flacco, they will figure it out, they will make it happen, and they will get to the playoffs. That's really all that matters. So, the next thing. Joe Flacco is on the practice squad. Give me a break. Okay? Give me a break. Yes, any team can sign Joe Flacco, but this is not like Rule 5 baseball where you can just pluck some guy off Rule 5 and then you have to keep him on your roster for the rest of the season. Joe Flacco would have to agree to be signed off the Browns practice squad onto somebody else's regular squad. And right now, the Browns can still stash him on the practice squad. Okay, And then when they do that, they still have a roster spot for other players. Flacco will eventually be going on to the active roster. They can only do this three times. Well, coming is week three. So it is three times. All right. And then he will be on the active roster. All y'all worried about somebody's going to pluck Joe Flacco up and run off with him because that'll teach the Browns their lesson to put him on the practice squad. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay. Just isn't. So don't worry about it. Joe Flacco's a Brown. Joe Flacco has said he's not going to be signing with other teams, that he has enjoyed his time with Cleveland, and he's going to continue being there. So this is the great time where you just let it go. Sing the song, let it go, let it go. Yes, let it go. Flacco will be a Brown, okay? And just let that go. Speaking of things I'm never letting go, that is my hatred of punters and kickers in general. But I decided this week to just look at some numbers of punters. Okay, just just 
indulge me for a second. Now, back when the Browns signed Corey Bohorquez, I saw some things on Twitter about how the Browns got the best punter in the NFL and all this and all that. And he can kick it 100 yards, and he probably can't kick it 100 yards. And he's going to flip the field all by himself because punters flip the field on teams. And I know that this week we saw this actually happen when he kicked a 73-yard, 70, 73-yard 70, punt that actually ended up like flipping the field. But that is such a rarity that I thought I would go on to the NFL.com website and check out some actual punting numbers for the Browns. Some are good, some are bad, but then I want to compare that to other punters around the league just so that we can see, you know, how does Corey Bohorquez really stand up? So here's some numbers, people. I'll put the numbers in context, then I'll compare it to another team just for fun, okay? So Corey Bohorquez, or the Browns in general, are averaging 50.3 yards a punt, and that's fourth. The net average, now the net average is the actual average of the punt itself, subtracting the amount of the return. They average 42.4 yards, which is 10th in the league. Net yards, net yards gains off punts at 2,886 yards, which is 5th in the league. So punts inside the 20-yard the, the line, the Browns are 15th, which is average, just about league average right? Punts returned against that Browns have had 33 punts caught and returned against them, which is the second most in the league. So the Browns have the second most times where the punter punts, the opposing team's returner catches the ball and runs it back. Yards returned against is 355 yards, which is the third most yards against in the league. That is, there are only two teams who have given up more yardage on punt returns than the Browns. And fair catches called against the Browns are 12th, which is 22nd in the league. So what those numbers describe for us is a situation that I literally described in an article would happen when I was back running for Dog Pound Daily, where I basically kind of pointed out that punters don't flip the field, that offenses flip the field. Here's what's going on. Punting is not just line up and kick the ball as far as you can, contrary to popular belief. There's actually a science to punting. And this science goes all the way back to Paul Brown. Paul Brown figured out that the average person can run 40, 45 yards at a certain speed. Now, if you could teach your punter to punt the ball with enough hang time to go 45 yards or 40 yards, then you could have your people run down and make the guy either drop the ball or fair catch the ball to prevent a return. This is why this is how the 40 yard dash timing came about. How fast can you run down and cover a punt? That's about 40 yards. Now we've noticed that the net return for the Browns is about 42 and a half yards. So, essentially, the, the, the coverage team is running down the field at about 40 yards, but Corey Bohorquez is kicking it 50.3 yards. So, Bohorquez is kicking it 50 yards. 
the guys catching the, the opponents are catching the ball and returning the ball eight yards before the Browns coverage unit can get down there. That, my friends, is the definition. That is how you define over-kicking your coverage. You've kicked the ball farther than the rate at which your defenders can run down and tackle the ball carrier to a tune of eight yards a punt. The average Browns punt gets caught and returned eight yards before the coverage team can get there. Okay. They have the second most punts returned against them. They've given up the third most amount of yards against and and returns and they have the fewest amount of fair catches. The picture being painted by the stats is Corey Bohorquez is kicking the ball too far for his team to cover in terms of a fair catch. So at which point the opponent team is catching the ball and running it back until the defenders can actually get down there, which is to the tune of 42 and a half yards, which is about the league average in terms of punts. So Corey Bohorquez is out there overkicking this coverage. But just for fun, why don't we look up a random team? And for this random team, I picked the New York Giants. And their punter, one Mr. Jamie Gillum. You might remember Jamie Gillum. The Scottish Hammer used to punt for the Browns, right? Okay. So the average punt length for Jamie Gillum Jimmy Gillen is 46.4, which is 20th in the league. So he doesn't kick it real far. He doesn't have an average punt of 50.3 like Bohorquez. He kicks it 46.4 yards, which is 20th. The net return, okay, the net punt, so how long you get between the punt minus the return, is 43.2 yards, which is 6th in the league, okay? as opposed to the Browns' 10th in the league. Net yards returned against is 3,526, which ranks second, the second most, I believe second most, no, excuse me, net yards is how many yards you've punted. So 3,526 yards, which is the second best in the NFL. That is the second best net yardage total in the NFL, meaning the net he's gotten the second most yards of off punts for his team, which makes Jamie Gillen an extremely effective punter so far. Punts inside the 20 yard line are 28, which makes him third in the league. The third best in the league. Punts returned is 32 punts returned, which is the fourth most Mind you, the Browns had the second most punts returned. Yards returned against, they are the 22nd most. Okay? The 22nd most returned yards against. Okay? And fair catches called as number, they have 26, which is first in the league. So here's what's happening for Jamie Gillen and the New York Giants. Jamie Gillen is kicking the ball basically 46 yards in the air. The coverage team is running down the field, and if they return it, which most teams are, they're getting three yards or less every time they return the ball, okay? 
Jamie Gillen is putting the ball inside the 20. He is among the league leaders in in balls being caught for fair catches, which means this. Here's what's happening. One of two things are happening. Jamie Gillen is punting, and either he's punting the ball to the point where the coverage can run down and force a fair catch, okay? First in the league. Best in the league of making that happen. You run down and you force a fair catch, which eliminates any return. Jamie Gillen is the best punter in the NFL. Corey Bohorquez is the 22nd best punter at that in the NFL. Okay, let's say you punt the ball and the wider and the uh, returner catches it and starts to run back. Okay. The Browns are giving up an average of eight yards a return while the Giants are giving up an average of three yards a return. Why is that? Well, because Corey Bohorquez is kicking the ball so far that his coverage unit can't get down there to make the tackle. Jamie Gillen, on the other hand, is kicking the ball to the point where either it's forcing a fair catch or the punt returner catches the ball and almost immediately gets tackled because the punt coverage team is there to tackle them. Okay, that's the big difference right now between Bohorquez and Jamie Gillen. Jamie Gillen is punting to his coverage, which results in the most important category that you can have in terms of punting, which is the net punt. I don't care if you kick it 70 yards. If they return it 20 yards on you, you still only have a 50-yard punt. You kick the ball 55 yards, they return it another 20 on you. You only have a 35-yard punt, right? The rubber hits the road in terms of how far you kick it versus how far they return it. That is your net. The Browns are 10th in net punt yards. They are, when they kick the ball and after the other team returns it, averaging 42.4 yards per kick. Jamie Gillen and the Giants, who are 6th in the NFL, after he kicks the ball and they return it, they're averaging 43.2 yards per return. Okay. That's about a yard and a tenth, a yard and 20%, you know, um, longer, a yard and a fifth a yard. <clears throat> More yards that the Giants are getting per punt than the, than the Browns are getting per punt. In the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, and this is what I've been saying since we've gotten Corey Bohorquez. Okay. And everybody says, I'm just crazy. And you're probably listening to this thinking, why is this guy complaining? Corey Bohorquez is amazing. He kicks the ball 70 yards. No, he's not amazing. Okay. What's amazing is when you have a punter that punts the ball, the coverage team runs down the field and tackles or, or forces a fair catch. Because at that point, you have eliminated the return yardage. Okay. And when you eliminate the return yardage, you maximize the amount of yardage your team can pin back the other team. Do you want your team to be pinned back? You, do you want to punt the ball 50 yards only to have that team return it for 20? Or do you want to punt the ball 40 yards, make them fair catch it, and you got 40 yards? I would think you'd want the latter. You want the most yardage that you can get on your punt. And as the stats give us this time right now on NFL.com, go to the stats. Jamie Gillen is a better punter than Corey Bohorquez. Okay. 
nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to care. I get it. You know, the Browns are winning. Nobody can really complain about the punter. I particularly don't like punters. I'm telling you right now, Corey Bohorquez, he may have all the oohs and ahs when it comes to how far he kicks the ball, but if you consistently overkick your coverage and you're consistently giving up roughly 10 yards of return, what is the point? Just kick the ball 45 yards, force a fair catch, and be done with it. You're giving up the same amount regardless whether you kick it 50 and let him return it or you rank it run down and call a fair catch. Just call, kick the ball 45 yards, make him call a fair catch, and be done with it. At some point, the Browns are going to give up a punt for a return, and then people are going to need to start asking questions. Why are we kicking the ball so far? And even kicking the ball so far hasn't even given us the best net return yardage in the league. You lose yards by kicking the ball further and letting them return than by just kicking it 40 yards and making them fair catch it. Just kick the ball and make them fair catch it. Anyway, there's my my punter rant for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Punters suck. You know, the smart thing to do is just punt the ball down there and, like, make them fair catch it and be done with it, which means... If you're going to get a net of 40 yards anyway, which is really where you're at, you're going to get the same amount net regardless, okay? You're better off punting and making a fair catch because then at least you're not dealing with the potentiality of giving up a touchdown on a kickoff or on a punt return. But it also means that if the Browns are sitting in, the, in at the 20-yard line, they're going to have to get 20 yards to push it down to the other teams. Other teams, 20, Okay. Other teams, 10. Again, offenses flip fields, not punters. Kick it 70 yards, kick it 40 yards. You're going to get the same amount of net. Pointless topic. Browns got a big game next week against the Bears. If they can beat the Bears, okay, and let's say nothing goes on. They beat the Bears. They have a 95% chance of making the playoffs. So this is a big game, okay? If they lose to the Bears, the Browns will have an 80% chance of making those, excuse me, 77% chance of making the playoffs. Big game this week, 93% chance, 94% chance to make the playoffs versus 77. Beat the Bears, you're almost guaranteed to be in. You got to win one more game. You win two and you're in, 10 and you win, baby, 10 and you're in. You win 10, you're in the playoffs. That's it. And all you really need to do is get into the playoffs. If you can get the number one seed, if you can win out all your games and the Ravens go two and two, you could end up having the division and possibly the number one seed, right? The Dolphins got to lose some games. Um, so I'm going to go back to my situation. Dolphins got to lose some games and the Chiefs got to lose some games. But I'm thinking the Chiefs aren't doing so hot, so they may lose some games. And you got to get the Dolphins to lose some games. And the Dolphins play the Ravens, so you can't – they're not both going to lose that game. It would be nice if they could both lose that game, but they're not both going to lose that game. So it really just comes down to, hey, win two when you're in, win all of them if you can, let's go Browns. Get into the playoffs. Let's have some fun. Time to get some – you know, January football, preferably in Cleveland. But if not, hey, let's just get the football, period. Oh, that's another week of uh, what the elf was that. So let's see what happens this week. Ten in your end, baby. 
Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard.